This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. This is Writing Excuses, Season 7, Episode 13, Man versus Nature. 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry. And I've got nothing. <laughs> yeah. um, man versus nature, Brandon. Howard's staring at us blankly. <laughs> um, the thing is, Howard, um, Howard apparently didn't take a lot of English classes like, um, like Mary and I did um, because, you know, they're, they're in the English class, we're taught the classic archetypes are man versus self, man versus man, and man versus nature. Um, now, man versus alien isn't one of those? No, that's man versus man. Ah, okay. Or it could be man versus nature. I think Schlock could be arguably nature <laughs> yeah. because... He Maybe a... I do have something to contribute. Yeah. We may talk about the other <laughs> ar- archetypes. The thing is, man versus man is our basic you know, okay. conflict. That's we talk a... about that so often. Yes. Um, man versus self is really just internal conflict, and we've done podcasts on that. We haven't really focused on the concept of man versus nature. Um, and this is one of the basic conflict archetypes. So I, we want to talk about why it's useful mm-hmm. um, and, um, and where you see it. So why, why would you have a man versus nature plot? Why not? Why not man versus man? Why? why because is you don't you don't need to do a, a stereotropical evil overlord in order to threaten the whole world. You can just blow the sun up. Yeah. Wow. There you you just caps. You said you weren't going to say anything useful. I was wrong. No, you just. Yeah. We can actually end this podcast yeah, it's now. Yeah, done. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's the, the smartest thing we've said all day. No, it, it's <laughs> not. But let's continue anyway. But but it is true that. Um, the, one of the, thing, the reasons that you insert conflict into a book is mm-hmm. to highlight aspects of your character. Yeah. And there are a lot of things that can do that. We see, you know, man versus nature is one of the conflicts that we go through all the time. You know, yeah. anytime there's a natural disaster, you're mm-hmm. seeing man versus nature. You know? Yep. And you see enormous um, acts of heroism come out of those. Yes, you do. Some, some of the greatest acts of heroism that you, you get, we, we talk about in our a modern society happened because of man versus nature. And I think part of why it's so appealing to me, um, let me tell you a story. Um, the first book that really taught me about man versus nature was uh, Dragonflight by Anne McCaffrey, um, The Dragon Riders of Pern. And in this book, um, there was this moon or secondary planet, I can't even remember what it is, comes really close, drops these terrible little alien things called the thread, which fall and just get into the earth and eat all the plants. They could basically wipe out all life. Yeah. On, the, mm-hmm. on the planet, and so they have to, in a very contrived yet awesome way, yes. fly on dragons who breathe fire and burn them out of the air before they hit the ground. It is the most contrived thing ever, but it is so awesome. Um, and as um, a teen, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> as a teen reading this book, it was the first book that opened my eyes to the concept of man versus nature being a really dynamic, interesting, powerful plot. And why I liked it so much, I think, is because I had had fatigue of, oh yeah, yet another villain. Okay, this villain has to have, they have weak motivations often, and I'm just so tired of watching television shows about, you know, the cops fighting these drug lords or things like this. Here is something that felt very real mm-hmm. and yet alien at the same time. It was wonderfully world-built, yet a cataclysm that people could fight against, and you could have true heroism. You didn't need to have your hero be the guy who can shoot the other guy in the head. Because there's any time that happens, you're, we're kind of, you know, I've read a lot of conflict. I've I read a lot of, you know, violence and things like this. But there's part of me that says, 
I really wish, you know, the true hero is the person who avoids the violence. Right. And it's hard to have a true hero who's out killing people. Yeah, I think um, Lucifer's Hammer by Niven and Purnell um, is also a good example of man versus nature mm -hmm. because, you know, our inciting incident is a, you know, comet slams into the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. And, uh, and civilization, I don't want to say civilization ends, but civilization according to Niven, is never more than about three meals away from collapse. Yeah. Um, and they run out of meals. Yep. Um, but in light of that, and I think the same holds true with Dragon Riders of Pern, while it is, uh, uh, while it is man versus nature, um, within that overarching conflict, you mm -hmm. have a whole lot of man versus man as people yeah. are trying to allocate the resources necessary yep. to, f to resolve this fight against nature. Well, in one of our, um, someone who asked us in a, in a tweet, and we may get to a podcast about this, said, hey, how can you do stories that aren't about some of evil overlord ending the world again? Um, and this is a great way mm -hmm. to have a plot where the world is, is in danger, but also have really personal man versus man conflicts that aren't about someone trying to destroy the world because there's this greater threat. They're just trying to get ahead during this time of, 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 of danger, which can be really visceral. Yeah, and it, it allows you to get, as you say, it more personal with that. Yeah. Which, to me, makes it more accessible to most yeah. readers. Um, you can make your man versus nature a large scale, and you can make your man versus man very personal between yeah. two people. Um, one thing that I will, I will mention, um, some problems, or not problems, but things to be aware of with man versus nature. Let's talk about those. Um, one of the which is, we've, we've kind of brought it up, it's hard to make your characters not feel powerless in the face of man versus nature. Absolutely. Um, so there's, you know, one of the things, and what, this is in part because frequently with the man versus nature, there is no solution. Yep. You know, tsunami hits the shore, you can't magically make undo that. Yep. So what you have to wind up doing in order to give your character agency is, is give them smaller goals yep. that they can meet and overcome. On I need to find my child and save them. Yeah. Um, and in fact, interestingly, um, you would think War of the Worlds is man versus man because aliens are attacking. It's actually man versus nature. Yep. Um, and this, if you watch the, the recent Spielberg adaptation, he actually understands this because the story is a struggle for survival during this catastrophe. It is not a struggle of let's fight the aliens. Mm -hmm. This is also something that Orson Scott Card calls the, an event story mm, yes. in the Mice Quotient, which is that some cataclysm, something upsets the status quo. Mm -hmm. And uh, the hero is trying to restore the status quo to some, some degree, you know, whether that is, um, well, I will, you know, I will build my tree house, like Swiss Family Robinson. Yes. That is, that is yep. man versus nature. Yep. Let's build a treehouse. Yeah. I, it, as I'm as I'm mulling this over, it seems to me that there are a couple of different kinds of man versus nature stories. Yeah. There's mm -hmm. there's the uh, you know damage control following the tsunami. You know mm -hmm. Lucifer's hammer. Yeah. Um, the uh, uh, Swiss Family Robinson. You know most just disaster movies. Yeah. Yeah. Most disaster movies are like this. And then there are oh my gosh, we just figured out this is going to happen. We need to rally and find a way to make this not happen. Yep. And that would be... Pern. Um, 
Uh, yeah, Dragon Riders, a Pern, uh, yep. Dragonflight. Um, the uh, all those terrible Comet movies. All the terrible. Um, not all the terrible Comet movies, because in some of them the Comet hits. But, yeah, that's uh, true. I think Armageddon was yeah. the Asteroid one. Asteroid movies. Uh, mm-hmm. The Asteroid. Yeah. Yes. That, ugh. Mm. Um, <laughs> I uh, did the Comet mistake the other day. Yeah. But, it, but it, well, it stopped being no a Comet when it hits. Yep. Yes. Um, but no, I, <laughs> no. I actually think that um, we can divide this one further, and there is just the man's struggle to survive. Yeah. There doesn't have to be a catastrophe for you to have a man versus nature. If you took me and dropped me in the wilderness, that would be man versus nature because I would have trouble surviving. I'm trying to remember who said this. It was a. Uh, uh... It, it was said in a completely different context, um, but he was talking about how incredibly inhospitable Earth is. Yeah. You know, uh, if if we were to take the average person and strip them naked and drop them at some random point on the planet, yeah. about 90% of those places, the person's dead within 15 minutes. Yep. Um, it, yep. Any of your, um, your, your climb the mountain stories, your Everest yeah. stories are kind of a different sort of man versus nature, which are all very fascinating also. Oh, what was that film? I can't remember the name of it now. The mountain climber that got trapped. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's um, a... Or Tom Hanks on an island. Yeah. Um, these, are, these are man versus nature stories. It should be an archetype. Yes, Tom Hanks on an island. <laughs> uh, let's stop. Um... Asteroid movies, Tom Hanks on an island movies. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, let, let's, stop for, uh, let's stop for our book of the week. I'm actually going to go ahead and promo uh, Dragonflight. I'm pretty sure we've promoted it before. Um, but I love this book. Um, it's, a, it's one of these books that I was able to read as a, as a teen and say, wow, this is awesome, and read as an adult and say, wow, this is deep. Um, and that doesn't happen very often for the books I loved as a teen. Uh, she has a beautiful command of language. Uh, the, the novella version won the Hugo Award, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, the book is just beautifully world-built, a nice blend of science fiction and fantasy in an interesting way. Um, it's it's a great novel, and you can uh, you can find it on Audible. Um, Mary says the reader is particularly yeah, good. Yeah, this is this is Dick Hill, and he's a wonderful reader. So this is going to be a really nice re- listen. If you've never l- read Dragonflight, or if it's been a while, delightful book, and it's really going to teach you a lot. So head on out to audiblepodcast.com/slash/excuse. You can uh, trigger a fourteen-day free trial membership and download Dragonflight by Anne McCaffrey. Narrated by Dick Hill. Dick Hill, uh, absolutely free, and support writing excuses while you're doing it. So let's talk about how to do man versus nature plots um, that work. If I'm doing genre fiction, mm-hmm. then what I want to what I want to read in in genre fiction in man uh-huh. versus nature, I want you to show me a calamity that that I haven't seen before. Okay. I, I want something, I want, I guess a sense of wonder is probably the one, wrong word. Sense of awe. I want to feel the majesty of the universe, of planetary tectonics, of of cometary whatevers um, with, with whatever's going on. And so I, I want you to world build something interesting so that it's not just another, you know, slam a comet into the ocean. No, I think um, that's, I mean, 
there's a lot of room to explore in science fiction fantasy for this. Mm -hmm. uh, each of these plots we talked about, I'm sure you could do a great Man Climbs the Mountain plot, except it's a type of geologic feature that does not exist on our planet that someone has to get through and get across and just survive. It, that could be wonderful. Um, I've for one, a long time wanted to tell a story um, in a fantasy world about a group of people who leave one continent because the continent is destroyed by some evil force, cross the ocean, and land in, on an, a completely alien continent with a different flora and fauna and topography and just have to survive and rebuild society. I think that would be a wonderfully fun book. And that's the sort of thing that if you have a great world building, can be a really new and original book. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I think that you need when you're doing that is, um, is a compelling main character. Yes. Uh, I think go on with that because I think that's the main thing we should say. Because if, if you do not care about the character surviving, yeah. you are, the, the book is dead before you've even started. Yeah. If you, in a man versus man, we can, you can actually write a thriller-style plot where we don't really like the main character that much. But we'll but stay with them. We'll stay with them. But, you know, um, this Tom Hanks on an Island movie does not work if you're not wanting to watch Tom Hanks for an hour and a half not talking, surviving on an island. If it's, if it's Jack Black on an island. <laughs> yeah. uh. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, guys, that's going to be your writing prompt in three minutes. Jack but. Black on an island. <laughs> on an alien um, island. You know, uh, uh, David Weber and John Ringo's uh, March Up Country, mm -hmm. uh, March to the Sea, March to the Sky, um, is a series about a group of uh, uh, royal guard and a, the spoiled princeling um, who you know they are assigned, you know, to give their lives for, stranded on an alien planet. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning of the book, we really don't like that princeling because he's spoiled rotten. Right. And we love the guard because, in spite of the fact that this guy's a jerk, um, they gave their word, and he is more important than any of them are. Yeah. And during the course of the book, we begin to love him because he recognizes the love the other people have for him and he begins to step up. Mm -hmm. But as you look at, you know, as I'm, as I'm uh, looking at what we've talked about, that's very clearly a man versus nature book yeah. because the challenges they're facing, yes, yeah, some of them are internal. You know, some of them are fighting each other or fighting right. critters they can talk to. But for the most part, it's characters stepping up in order to survive. Well, you know, and I think what you're going to want to look at here is um, there's not going to be really your, your plot arc. You're going to have a good plot arc, but it's going to be a simple plot arc. Survive mm -hmm. or things like this. And so your internal conflict for the character, I think, needs to you need to take some extra care for. Um, it, it, you need to have need to. We always say need to. What I'm suggesting is you take a good look at the person's internal conflicts and try to mirror those somehow with what they're going through. You can um, build a mystery story out of this. You talked about climbing yeah. the mountain, only give us you know, some sort of alien thing that's not a mountain. Uh, you drop a guy on an alien artifact that he needs to get out of, yeah. and, and it can be a puzzle. It can be a mystery. Yep. And, mm -hmm. and you, can have a, you can have a fantastic, surprising, yet inevitable uh, twist there that has nothing to do with character motivations right. and everything to do with some piece of fun science and puzzly world building that you've See, done. But what I keep coming back to is what Mary said. Give us a good growth character for oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. Really good growth character. Yeah, and I think part of that is also related to having, um, giving them something that they care deeply about mm -hmm. in part because, not only because that, you know, with any character that makes them more real. Yep. But because um, that gives them a measurable point of success. Yep. 
Yes, very good point. You um, know, that, that they may not be able to, you know, rebuild civilization, but darn it, they can have a, a fine grilled cheese sandwich Exactly. Again. No, that's, I, I, I think that's brilliant too. You, you really hit it on the head. Give them something to accomplish. If, if, if you're just surviving a tsunami, giving something to care about, other than just their own survival, can really add some poignancy to that. Yeah, this is why a lot of times in these survival, mm -hmm. in these these things, you will see them with the the small sidekick, the the yep. dog, yep. that some something yep. that they are caring for that is outside themselves. Right. Um, I come back to that War of the Worlds adaptation. Mm -hmm. We have a oh, nice yeah. growth character about a kind of a deadbeat dad, who steps up and protects his children, and that becomes all important to him. And even in a disaster movie without a lot of time. For you know character growth, he has a wonderful arc, and um, and that becomes his point of achievement. He gets the child, you know, back to his um, to to their mother. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, we're going to go ahead and give you your writing prompt. Your writing prompt is: Jack Black is stranded on an alien planet, alone. We can blame Howard for this. <laughs> Um, and um, and, write and a the challenge is, you need to write a story where we like Jack Black <laughs> and want him to live. Yeah, of course, don't actually use Jack Black. Use a gregarious type of character like him. Um, Zach Galifianakis. Yes. Or... <laughs> uh, this, is, this has been writing excuses. You might have a few excuses following that, but go write anyway. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one -on -one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. 